CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us on the Great America Show. Today, we'll be asking some very important questions that no one in the Biden administration is answering. No one anywhere seems to be answering these questions. No one, that is, except for one poor, lonely doctor in South Africa. We'll get to her a little later. You'll find her fascinating. So let's talk first about the questions that our public health bureaucrats aren't answering. Let's ask ourselves today, why are the World Health Organization, some U.S. public health officials, and of course, radical Democrat politicians running around like their hair is on fire, screaming, Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. What is Omicron, you ask? Well, don't be embarrassed to ask. Even though the national leftist media acts like you and I and every American should know that Omicron is the 15th letter in the Greek alphabet. And everyone who works at NPR knows the entire Greek alphabet, of course. Want to have a little fun with a smart alecky NPR, folks? Quick, NPR, name the 15th letter of the English alphabet. Gotcha. It's O, dummies. O. Take that, a blow for patriots everywhere. But wait a minute. Let's examine this 15th letter of the Greek alphabet, Omicron. You can't fool us. That's not a letter. That's a three-syllable word, Omicron. And it sounds like a guy who played wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. Wait, that was Megatron. So why is the World Health Organization using the Greek alphabet to label variants of the China virus? They say to make it easier for all the world to understand. Got that? China virus, Greek alphabet. Makes sense, doesn't it? Greek isn't an international language like English or Arabic. There are only 13 and a half million people who speak Greek in two Greek-speaking countries, Greece and Cyprus. So the WHO picks Greek for better understanding. When there are just under 8 billion people living on this planet, and most of us speak what language? The answer is English. So it makes what kind of sense that the who would choose Greek to make themselves better understood around the world? And the WHO calls the China virus COVID-19 because they don't want to stigmatize China but we'll name all the variants of the China virus with the letters of the Greek alphabet. Talk about tortured political correctness. And then the World Health Organization skipped two letters in the Greek alphabet. New, that's N-U, because it sounds too much like an English word, new, N-E-W. Unbelievable. And then they skipped she, X-I, because it's a common surname, they say. The fact is they skipped she because it's a very common surname for absolute dictator of the world's largest communist totalitarian country known commonly as China. Or perhaps the WHO acted misogynistically, choosing to skip she, ignoring the only feminine pronoun in the English language. And I should point out to those wondering where the word alphabet originated, It is the combination of two words, alpha and beta, the first two letters of the Greek alphabet, of which we now know there are 24 letters or words in all. Remember that South African doctor I mentioned at the top of the show, who actually knows quite a bit about the China virus, COVID-19 virus, if you will, variant. That variant is now known as Omicron. 
She's the doctor who actually has answered questions while the rest of the world's public health officials seem determined to scare the public, even though they know almost nothing about the Omicron variant. The doctor is Angelique Coetzee. She's the chair of the South African Medical Association. She's personally treated patients infected with Omicron, and she describes her patients this way. She says none of her patients, most in their 40s and about half of them vaccinated, have required hospitalization. None of them. And Dr. Coetzee says their symptoms are very, very mild. I'll repeat, very, very mild. Quite a contrast to the melodramatic and unprofessional alarms being raised by Dr. Fauci, who is obviously now overwrought with the burdens of ego and partisan celebrity. Joining us today on the Great America Show is a great American, one of America's most popular broadcasters. He's watched and listened to by tens of millions of Americans each day on radio, television, his website, his podcast, and on social media. Listen to him on 710WOR Radio in New York, nationally on iHeartRadio, and here with us today, our good friend, Mark Simone. Mark, let me begin with the extraordinary catalog of failures that now make up the Biden administration in less than a year in office. Your thoughts? Uh, how long is this show? I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> we'll make time for you, guaranteed. <laughs> it's going to be like a telethon. Well, first of all, uh, Joe Biden will be, he, this will be taught in business schools for decades. He is the worst personnel director in the history of the world. You know, whenever you have a bad president, like a Jimmy Carter, you look at that cabinet, and there were some very prestigious names and some old Washington hands that were pretty good. Right. But you look at this administration, everybody in the cabinet is a total incompetent. This Jennifer Granholm asked about uh, high energy, but just giggling, <laughs> laughing. Uh, Kamala Harris, I think we, I don't even need to explain that that's how bad she is. Worst vice president ever. This Buttigieg is making a photo op, uh, a little promotional video of him visiting a store while the whole supply chain is clogged up. If it were you, if it were Donald Trump, you'd be in California on the dock right now, screaming at everybody, getting this unclogged. He's not doing a thing. Uh, I think we can agree Lloyd Austin, uh, waging a war is a major task, but just leaving, just moving out. That's a pretty simple one. Just pick up the weapons and go. He bungled that up. Even the supply chain, oh. this is not like landing on the moon. It's just taking crates off a ship. How hard is this to figure out? You know, it looks pretty bad. We couldn't win a war for 21 years in, uh, in Afghanistan. And then we couldn't even win the retreat and surrender. Uh, I mean, that that's pretty bad, isn't it? Well, I could see the difficulty of asymmetrical warfare in Afghanistan and how difficult it was to fight the Taliban. But uh, so maybe give those generals a little leeway. But you couldn't figure out how to leave. And I'm not a I'm not a war expert. I'm not a general. Yeah. But the first thing I'm thinking, I would have the civilians leave first, right. then the military. I wouldn't have the military leave and then figure out how to rescue these civilians. Uh, and then it turns logical. out we left quite a bit of, uh, of our military there as well. <laughs> and uh, and it just goes on from there. And and there's greater irony here, it seems, too, in that uh, the geniuses, in particular General David Petraeus, who wrote the Long War Doctrine that would, uh, so many of our military who couldn't win that war in 21 years uh, followed. You know, so you've got the Long War, uh, and then the new doctrine is for surrender. It's a quick surrender. Uh, just get out before anybody realizes who won, apparently, was the, the view. Uh, it, it's awful. And this administration has a 38%, 36% in the most recent Quinnipiac poll uh, approval rating. I mean, this president is a disaster, and his, his vice president, uh, a bigger disaster. So they're not leaving us uh, much uh, here to to applaud, are they? Well, Joe Biden will get credit for one thing. You know, Obama, it was steady. He didn't want anybody to overshadow him. He didn't. He wanted a really bad uh, vice president. So he picked Biden, knowing that's insurance against any type of impeachment. 
Now, when Biden takes over, he wants to do the same thing. How does he find somebody worse than him? That is a real challenge. And he came through. He found somebody even more competent than him. So yeah, uh, I think you- I think the country I think the country may, Mark, be even more afraid uh, of Kamala Harris than they were Joe Biden. But with 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 the package, the Biden Harris package, uh, it's a truly troubling moment in history, isn't it? Yeah. And so the scariest part of this, I always assumed from the beginning, somebody was secretly running this, that Biden was the puppet. Maybe Obama was the puppet master, maybe some George Soros type, somebody, or maybe a committee of these George Soros types. Now I, I, we're starting to realize there's nobody running this. There's no mastermind of any kind. Uh, there's nobody that knows what they're doing. So you'd have to figure out first how to get rid of Kamala Harris. Uh, I don't know what you could offer her to step down. Uh, the only time I remember this was Spiro Agnew, but he got caught in a crime. Easy right. to get him out. They're going to have to get Kamala Harris out and put somebody competent in there. I know Democrats are in total fear of going into 2024 with Kamala Harris as their candidate. So, um, and again, the weak bench, the totally incompetent cabinet, there's no obvious replacement. So I don't know what you would do here. And now we have with us a new variant of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, and and I swear, they've come up with a name, Omicron, uh, the 15th letter in the alphabet to describe this variant. And they don't know anything about it, but already the governor of New York has declared an emergency for a variant that we don't even know what will be the effect of vaccines uh, or whether it'll be even necessary. Yeah, you know, listen, Democrats always uh, go too far, get too nuts. I, this time, it's unbelievable. You know, everywhere I'm in New York City right now. Everybody's terrified to take the subway. You'll get stabbed, pushed, shot. You're gonna get robbed. You get. And she's declared an emergency over a virus that might be here in ten weeks. Uh, I mean, where was the emergency over this crime wave? We had riots all over New York, and you know, we have no media operating in this country right now, except for you. We have no media. We've had more virus deaths this year under Biden than we had under Trump. And that's with the vaccine. So uh, when Joe Biden told us way back when I have a plan, I haven't seen it yet. Have you? Yeah, no, I, I really have not. Uh, and, you know, but I have seen Biden on display. Uh, you know, last year uh, he went after uh, uh, President Trump in 2020 for the travel ban, saying that, uh, you know, it was racist and xenophobic. Uh, he declares the same thing, shutting down South Africa and six other nations to inbound uh, U.S. Uh, traffic. Uh, and it's, it's just being reasonable and following the science. I, I mean, the man is there just is no word to describe the level of hypocrisy that he rises to uh, at the drop of a hat. Yeah, again. Low, uh, taking crates off a ship, that's pretty simple. Leaving Afghanistan, pretty simple. And look at this problem. He decides he'll shut down some borders 7,000 miles away in some little countries while leaving our entire southern border <laughs> wide open. What is the logic of that? That's like closing the upstairs window and leaving all the doors open. It makes absolutely no sense at all. No, it, absolutely. And, and to think that the estimated number of illegal immigrants by the time the president has been in office for his first year uh, of his term, uh, it will be two million illegal immigrants who will not have been uh, tested uh, for the virus or any other disease. They will not have uh, any vetting, but they will be and are being welcomed into our country and shipped off uh, to the uh, uh, inner America uh, in the dead of night, flown everywhere. It, 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 you just can't make it up. Well, you know, you're the media expert. I, I don't know where this all goes. Uh, to not have this is how you kill a democracy. Not have a, a real working media. These secret flights are dropping off mm-hmm. uh, immigrants at Westchester County Airport here near, near New York and airports all around the country. That airport is closed from midnight to six. So. These flights are landing at 3 a.m. in a closed airport landing. Where's the media? Can you imagine if Donald Trump drove one person in a car? Uh, it would be front page news for weeks. This is thousands and thousands by plane and no coverage. How do we survive this? Yeah, I, I, I really don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I do thank you for making me an expert on the media. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I seem to have just conformed to you know the usual but, status but you, of most, you, uh, most experts. You, I don't know you, enough. You, 
You, you've started networks. You worked with Ted Turner. Can you imagine if you said to Ted Turner, let's not cover half the news. In fact, if uh, this guy gets in office, let's not cover anything. What would he have said? Yeah, it's really quite a different era because in those days, we were scrambling to cover everything that happened, uh, no matter sometimes uh, how pedestrian uh, it, it it got our attention because we had 24 hours for the first time in history to, uh, you know, to cover uh, the news. Uh, and it was a beast that had a, it took a lot of feeding. Uh, uh, these days, it doesn't seem to matter uh, to the, to the New York Times or the Washington Post uh, that so much escapes their attention. But one of the things that's escaping their attention right now is the Omicron virus, as it's called. And no one knows anything about this. And already you've got Dr. Fauci, uh, Lord Fauci, uh, out on the Sunday talk show host saying that we'll do whatever it takes to stop this variant. Meanwhile, we are hearing from South Africa that it, the symptoms so far have been very, very mild and that the principal symptom is uh, uh, fatigue, extreme fatigue for two days. This does not sound like the stuff uh, for which uh, you know Lord Fauci should have his hair on fire. Uh, no, but uh, any excuse to get on television. We've never seen anything like this. He's, uh, uh, you know, they, they, he calls all the anchors. I know he talks to Lester Holt. He calls these people and George Stephanopoulos. He butters them up all day. And that's why they call him the nation's leading infectious disease expert, mm -hmm. which he hardly is. If you went to while Cornell or Johns Hopkins, or that's where you're going to find the, our best infectious disease experts. Not this, uh, this guy, this government bureaucrat. He's been there 40, 50 years. He is basically J. Edgar Hoover with a stethoscope. That's all he is. <laughs> that's a well said. That is well said. Uh, and uh, you're, you're not suggesting that he has files on all those people that, that you mentioned, are you? Uh, I, I'm suggesting that he just, he does the opposite of Hoover. He just butters up these people. And uh, Pete Buttigieg looks at him and says, I could do that too. I could just spend all day trying to get on every talk show I can get on and not do any work outside of that. Well, and I love the fact that the man has two answers for every question. Uh, and I don't know if any of them are correct, but he's always got uh, contradictory answers to uh, to provide and I, I i don't know why no one holds him to account he was against uh, international travel bans then he was for it he was against masks then he was for it and now he won't let you take your mask off uh, and really would like everyone to you know i he's just short of uh, wanting everyone to have a file at the fbi uh who knows? Maybe we do. Uh, the FBI is going in strange directions as well. Uh, and, the, and the holidays going in strange directions as well, Mark. The Salvation Army, not all, now only, they not only want your money uh, and to make a generous donation, but they're also asking white people to apologize for being white. Have you, I, I mean, you can't, the saying is you can't make it up, but Please tell me somebody just made this up. Well, this is a very sorry story because if you look, uh, you know, all, we all want to donate clothes or donate money. Or, there was no finer charity for years than the Salvation Army as far as where the money went in the most awful spots in the world. They were the first in, last out. I love the Salvation Army. I've raised a lot of money for it. I am stunned, stunned at this. They, they're the last people I would expect to get involved in this. I, I could see a major corporation that were worried about sales or boycotts or but they don't have to, I don't know what the reason was for this. And, and to, there's nothing more racist than attacking a whole race. And, and these companies, this uh, going after white people, this is a, a rejection of everything Martin Luther King fought for, which was don't judge anybody by their, the color of their skin, just go by their character. And I would imagine people that are donating and working for the Salvation Army to raise money or give donate. I, I would assume they're, People of very fine character. Why would you call them racist? And, and again, where's the media on this? It's their fault. Yeah. Well, the media is, as usual, uh, behind much of the uh, the atrocity that uh, was once journalism. Uh, and we should point out the Salvation Army, as Zero Hedge put it, uh, Tyler Durden wrote that uh, Salvation unrung that bill. Uh, no longer uh, apparently willing to stand up to the backlash they faced. 
uh, and demand that white people apologize uh, for their racism. Uh, we have reached a point where the Salvation Army is destroying uh, that charity that has been around here for centuries. And, and, and to think what they've just done to people who need it, because there will be people so angry with the Salvation Army that they will never give them a dime. Uh, there won't be much ringing of bells, uh, is my guess, uh, this Christmas uh, because of the Salvation Army's uh, arrogance uh, and it's just utter racist nonsense. I mean, it's racist what they did, as you said. Yeah. And that, this to me was the greatest violation, Joe Biden, uh, of his mandate. You know, he always talks about this mandate. What got him elected, if you go back and watch that campaign, he kept promising to heal us, to not be a divider, to bring us together. As soon as he's elected, everybody's a white supremacist. If you, I haven't heard that word white supremacist in decades. Right. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, I, there was one media organization, you know, they decided, let's interview some white supremacists. They couldn't find any. They didn't know where to look. How would you find one if you, you know, the uh, police commissioner of New York was on a show to talk about these attacks on Asians. And the host said, are these white supremacists? And he was very thoughtful. He said, let me, let me I'm going to look into this. I'll report back to you tomorrow. And he sent them his report. He said, none of the attackers were even white. And he said, our department has not encountered a white supremacist in years. We don't know of any. So uh, let, me ask you this. let me ask you a serious question. Have you ever met? a white supremacist no i would if you said yeah. let's interview one i would know how to find one. i assume yeah. that somewhere in some mountains somewhere with a couple of white supremacists i guess if you went to some prison somewhere there might be a group calling themselves outside of that uh, there are no white supremacists yeah it's, i it, it, there I is something of a i've never met one and I, and i in my to my knowledge I've never even been in, and I've covered prisons. I've covered the border. Uh, to my knowledge, I have never uh, even heard about such a group. Uh, at least, you know, I'm talking about in the real world. Uh, we hear from the Southern Poverty Law Center all the time about this supremacist, uh, white supremacist group, uh, but they usually have a, uh, whatever group they're talking about, usually has a membership of something like a dozen uh, which is usually in a prison, as you say, or somewhere. I don't know. It, it's just madness. And to see it gobbled up and and loved, lapped up by the national left-wing media is just ridiculous, uh, which is, you know, the, the media itself is becoming more ridiculous by the day. They don't cover important things like how dangerous is the Omicron virus and why aren't we getting some sort of information about it uh, that is scientific. And why do we have officials like Fauci walking, uh, walking into a studio and declaring himself to be science? He is the personification of science, says he. As I said, <laughs> he's, he's been wrong 50% of the time that he says something. And you never know which 50% he's on. It's, it's just uh, uh, amazing what the media is doing and what they're permitting and what they're fostering. Uh, it's it's just un to me inexplicable. No, this uh, racism, white supremacist. This all goes back to one thing: the Democrats they vote charts and graphs of what they have to win to win a presidency, and it's a certain percentage of the black vote, something like eighty nine percent, or they can't win. And Donald Trump scared the hell out of them because he did very well in African American voters, really well enough to change the whole result of the election. So that's why they had to target this group to get them back, and uh, they always pander but in this case they just went crazy with the racism and the white supremacy i found this great video it's malcolm x the great civil rights leader from the uh, 1960s and he warned african americans don't fall for democrats uh, pandering they'll tell you everything you want to hear they don't mean it they won't deliver don't be fooled by democrats it's all just talk with them yeah well it, <laughs> i wish that i i wish that they were more just talk now they are it seems engaged in uh destroying this uh, this great country's values uh turning us over to to the enthusiastic uh, marxists who hate the country but would love to run it you know figure that one out uh they think the rest of us should just go along with uh uh, with everything. Now, I want to turn to just where we're headed with the 
the election of 2022 uh, and uh, President Trump, who seems to have a dominant uh, first position and influence over the Republican Party. The reality is this is still uh, the party of Trump, is it not the GOP? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, uh, the other name you hear is Ron DeSantis, but uh, really it was Donald Trump that kind of put him on the map. Uh, but uh, yep. I, what we're seeing now is total incompetence. Can't can't even unload ships, can't even pull the weapons out of when they leave in Afghanistan. And then we compare that to Donald Trump, who whatever you liked or didn't like, he was a hell of a manager. He was an efficiency expert. Uh, you know, when you build hundred story skyscrapers left and right, you got to know how to run your supply chain because that's what it basically is. Getting a million uh, bricks delivered, uh, 10,000 windows delivered. Uh, he was amazing. If if he were president now, he'd be on the dock in California with all the union leaders, all the truckers screaming at everybody. He wouldn't leave until it was settled. So the contrast is going to be unbelievable. And when people are paying uh, $7 a gallon by 2024 and uh, you, you can't go anywhere because of the crime and you're watching uh, robbers. You know, they used to loot. They'd uh, break the appliance store window and take a TV now they show up with 20 cars and completely ransack an entire Neiman Marcus. This, I think this crime wave is the one that'll do in Democrats in 2024. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And the Republicans are already starting to uh, you know, talk big, in some cases talk tough. I sort of dismiss their tough talk because they've done that before. But they're starting to talk rather energetically uh, about gaining control of the House of Representatives and talk about early days. It certainly is. But they're apparently have won. Uh, they've apparently won a number of uh, uh, redistricting contests, uh, have managed to uh, improve their uh, their odds uh, for 2022 in in taking the House. Your thoughts? Oh, I think it's going to be the biggest slaughter we've ever seen. You know, it's always the case where uh, the Democrat takes every, they take everything. And then in the midterm, uh, they lose the House and Senate, happened with Obama, happened with Clinton. But this is going to be different. This is going to be a 50, 60, 75 seat swing in the House and dozens of seats in the Senate. I think, uh, uh, and this is what happened after Carter. Remember, you had Reagan and Bush, you had 12 years. I think you're going to see the same thing. I think you're going to see a backlash that could last multiple terms in the White House and Congress. And uh, President Trump himself, will he run? Uh, what do you think? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the best thing was to take over after Jimmy Carter. The numbers were so low. Uh, how could he resist? The, the, everything will be just a shambles. Uh, Joe Biden's poll numbers. Uh, of course he'll run. It'll be so easy then. You know, if you look at Carter, he was not bad for the first or second. It was like the third year it started to catch up with him. Joe Biden, I've never seen anything like this. Even our horrible mayor in New York, Bill de Blasio, it wasn't until the third or fourth year it started to look bad. This guy, in the first few months, it was a disaster. You look at all the wreckage. We're only eight, nine months into this thing here. Imagine in two years. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. I, I, I really, no, I talked to him just, uh, you know, a week or so ago. Uh, and and he, he sounds great by the way, he's, he's, but he's, he wouldn't give me the inside scoop. He wouldn't declare even to me quietly just between, well, you know, the two of yeah. us, uh, which I thought was rather selfish of him. Well, he was, <laughs> I promise it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't tell anybody on this podcast. No, but he was saying it for a while. And then I, from what I understand a few months ago, it was explained to him. He can't say that anymore. Otherwise, all kinds of uh, financial requirements and oh, filings and things kick in. Uh, outside of that, I think he would be saying it. Yeah, I, no, I, I'm just kidding. I would never. Uh, first of all, I would never ask. Uh, and I know that he can't tell because the Federal Elections Commission would be all over him and lots of unpleasant things would happen in terms of fundraising. It would kick in. But uh, but it is I would like to see a signal that sort of pushed me one way or the other. And, and I and it's I, I think he definitely wants to, but I think he recognizes that a lot of things have to fall into place uh, going into that. Uh, I do know this. If any man ever deserved to be president of the United States, it is him. 
uh, because of what he has done, the punishment that he's received at the hands of the Democrats, the political persecution he's still going through, unbelievably, without comment from the establishment Republicans, uh, by the Democrats, uh, by the Marxist left, by the national uh, liberal media. I mean, they continue to hound this man after two impeachment efforts, uh, putting him un baselessly under investigation out of design by Hillary Clinton, for crying out loud, the, the Russia hoax, uh, all of the nonsense that he went through. Uh, I think the man would probably be elected by acclamation almost uh, if he were to decide to run in 2024. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's like a football coach who's 16 and 0. And uh, the owner says, yeah, I don't like his tweets. Oh, I don't like his attitude. <laughs> yeah. Nobody would say that. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And I think the other problem, you know, for a million years, I've always heard everybody say, well, if only we get all the talent in the private sector. They talked about Lee Iacocca running or mm -hmm. Jack Welch would run. They used to talk about you running. You just get some great uh, person from the private sector that was always thought that that would be a better way to do things. Well, it finally happened. And we saw what the swamp and the deep state did to make sure nobody from the private sector ever tries this again. Yeah. Who could go through that? Yeah. It, it, uh, it the, uh, the sugar train stops in a hurry for the establishment, uh, for the leadership of both parties. Uh, and of course for corporate America, wall street and all of the hangers on uh, down the line. Uh, it, it's, we've just, We've had a great history lesson. Uh, the problem is there was so much pain attached to uh, a man who deserved uh, you know, our uh, accolades uh, instead of persecution at the hands of the opposing party and the deep state. Mark Simone, it is great to have you with us. Uh, as is our custom, you always get the last word on The Great America Show. Uh, Mark. I love this podcast. I listen to it all the time. This is probably the only one I won't listen to because I'm on it. But otherwise, this is one of my top podcasts. <laughs> Must listening all the time. Well, you're very kind and generous as always. Mark Simone, uh, one of the greatest uh, radio personalities in American broadcasting history, I must say. Wow. And as always, a great American and a great friend. Mark, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We're coming right back with more of The Great America Show. Stay with us. No nation has ever done more than America for its citizens and for the entire world. We're proudly Americans. And for the dark forces of totalitarianism that are all around the world, we're a huge problem. Because no other economic system, no other nation has ever created the prosperity, the opportunity, and the security for its people as has America. We are the most powerful nation on earth, and we are the most generous. But that doesn't matter to our enemies in what has become a raging Cold War with the world's two largest and most powerful totalitarian governments, that is Communist China and Putin's Russia. It was no accident that she and Putin have just announced closer military ties and a deeper strategic agreement between the two totalitarian states. Xi Jinping threatening President Biden directly, declaring that including Taiwan in the president's upcoming online democracy summit was provocative. The CCP demands the United States stop providing a platform to Taiwan's independent forces and threatened the United States with these words. Those who play with fire get burned. In my opinion, it's time for Biden to tell China they're the ones playing with fire. And if Biden could muster the will and the time, he might say the same thing to Putin, who's building up tens of thousands of troops on the Russian western border, moving in heavy military equipment, moving in tanks. And the best the NATO secretary general could do in response was to warn Moscow that if they invade Ukraine, the invasion would be costly. Now, there's a fearsome word you can imagine. Putin quivering in his boots at the word costly. Not much of a warning, is it? Well, meanwhile, the president and first lady spent the Thanksgiving holiday on the estate of billionaire David Rubenstein on Nantucket Island. That, as we receive word from the World Health Organization, that there's a new and potentially deadlier China virus that's mutated at an alarming rate. And some virologists fear it could be highly transmissible 
and that there may be no available vaccine against it. I'm not trying to be an alarmist when I repeat what the World Health Organization is saying. And yes, they are trying very hard to instill fear in the West and doing so with almost no solid evidence or research about the new virus. My point is we should be deeply skeptical about what we're being told about almost everything and certainly anything that emanates from the World Health Organization and watch closely as we on The Great America Show watch very closely everything that the Biden administration does and does not do and what the CDC does and does not do. Well, a member of this government now is Congressman Burgess Owens. He's a former NFL star, All-Pro and Super Bowl champion. He sits on the Committee for Education and Labor, the Judiciary Committee. He's the ranking member on the National Republican Congressional Committee. Congressman, first, I just want to say thank you for being elected. Uh, the people of Utah have done the nation a great service, and it's a delight to have you with us here on The Great American Show. Thank, thank you so much, Lou. And once again, remarkable summary, my friend, of uh, what we're up against. And, and let me just kind of, as we get started, I, I, this has been a, an honor, to say the least, to represent this great state of Utah. But what I've come to understand is that uh, there's a powerful, those powerful three words, we the people. It's amazing what we do in our own ways, and our own positions, uh, whatever we can bring to the plate that always brings our country uh, back from the brink when we need it. And that's what's happening now. And I appreciate your platform because your 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 platform is, is as important or probably more important than what I can do because it's about getting people educated. And the more we know about uh, who we are, what our background is, what we're up against, the more we can talk together, uh, we just win. And so uh, I appreciate the opportunity, my friend. Really is to talk with you again. Well, uh, I'm thrilled, as I said. And I, again, I'm uh, just deeply grateful uh, for your service to the people of Utah and the nation. Uh, I, I, I want to start, too, by pointing out what you, uh, what committees you sit on and what issues are uh, critically important for the country. Uh, Congressman Burgess is on the Committee for Education and Labor. As you know, both subjects near and dear uh, to my heart, the Judiciary Committee, the ranking member of the National Republican Congressional Committee, uh, which is charged with the responsibility of getting Republicans elected to Congress, and that's pretty important uh, because next year it means regaining a majority in the House. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, I just want to say again, uh, this coordinated effort to threaten and to intimidate the Biden administration and the American people, uh, you know, whether it's China warning Biden not to play with fire, whether it's Russia amassing troops on Ukraine's eastern border, whether it's the World Health Organization all but yelling fire, uh, over the holidays, announcing a new China virus. Uh, I, I have no doubt, Congressman, that that's a coordinated effort. And do you agree? Absolutely. You have to keep in mind, if you, uh, the biggest thing we can do is learn our history, know what that's all about. And uh, our history shows us that China and Russia have never been really close friends. Uh, they do have a common, common enemy. And uh, that common enemy now is the United States of America, a, a weakened one. Uh, one that they could not have done the things they're doing now just two years ago, uh, just a year ago. Uh, they understood that we had a president uh, that that understood what bullies were all about and how to deal with them. And unfortunately, now at a point where uh, uh, the the president we have now in administration is uh, is a total is a, a polar opposite. So uh, there's no question uh, we 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 know that the enemy is out there. Uh, I think the, the thing that I like to kind of point out, Lou, that and and this this keeps me optimistic. Again, I mentioned earlier, the most powerful three words in the history of mankind are we the people. And it's nothing more, more powerful than when Americans start talking and we start communicating together. It's that harmony we have. It's those things that brings us together so we can find ourselves on the same team. And it doesn't matter whether we're Democrats or Republicans or Independents. Right now, we have so much to talk about that we're, talk, that we're actually going through that it's going to strengthen us. And uh, I think as we the people stand strong, as we're starting to see across the country so many different areas, uh, we will begin to put in place the right people to stand strong against the, the Biden administration and their their lack of understanding of, of how to move this thing forward. And we'll, we'll be a stronger voice for the American people as we, we move into uh, 2022 and, and beyond. Well, we have so many issues uh, right now confronting the country. Uh, even if we just turned a blind eye toward China and Russia and the Middle East, uh, and just looked at what we have to deal with right now within our our borders. Uh, 
it's it's daunting to say the the very least. Uh, we have an education system that is failing millions of students. We have a judiciary that uh, is not inspiring confidence uh, that uh, Lady Justice is uh, is blind at all. Uh, but rather, uh, those scales have a heavy hand of partisanship and ideology uh, uh, resting on one side or the other. We have a, a an economy that, while strong, uh, is is being attacked uh, every day uh, by Marxist leftists in this country trying to upend this free enterprise uh, capitalist economy and. Uh, and trying to rewrite history in such a way as to dismiss our heritage and our values as a people. Uh, your your reaction? Well, you know, what, what um, uh, Karl Marx said uh, back in the 1800s, and it's, and it's very true, uh, the first, he said, the first battleground rewriting of history, uh, what the left, and, and, you know, we're seeing words now, uh, Lou, that is, is pretty significant. I mean, we always talk about socialism. Uh, we're now talking about Marxism, and mm -hmm. uh, and and to educate ourselves and to say those words and begin to people begin to wonder, say, well, what does that really mean? Because it's not being taught in our school system uh, to to know that Marxism is is everything we stand against. It's anti-family, anti-God, is anti-business. Everything we stand against, and we're finally having a conversation about what that looks like, and people are seeing it. It's not hypothetical anymore. But it was it was Karl Marx to say the first battlegrounds rewriting of history because what the Marxists know, the left knows. And it's, it's, it's a fight we've been fighting for a long, long time. You steal American history. You steal everything that makes us who we are. We, they steal the, the pride in our past, the, the appreciation for who we are today, and any vision of what we can become, because our history tells us the, our possibilities, our potential. And so that's what we're now fighting. And, and I guess the, the upside, this is why, believe it or not, as it's, it's crazy as things are right now, I've never been more optimistic than I am today. Because what's happening, the American people are waking up. The CRT that's been going, it's been, it's like little, there's been little termites, these elitists, these educators, that they get into these safe spots. They get into these places where they can't get fired. They can attack our youth without any consequences. And they just stay there for years and years as they change our culture from within. Well, now we know about them. We're talking about CRT parents. <laughs> and, and, and this is, you know, they can take away our, they can take away our, attack our attempts to come together with our flag, uh, attack our attempts to come together with our sports. But what they can't do is they can't attack parents and their love for their kids. And what's happening right now, parents are waking up, realizing their kids, black, white, Spanish, it doesn't matter what the color is, are being taught to be racist, are being taught to be either uh, feel uh, as an oppressor or a victim. And that is nothing close to the American way. So I am, I'm, I'm very excited to see parents standing up. I'm very excited to see what talent, where now our kids have a chance to experience inflation. You know, keep in mind, Lou, you and I, we remember the Carter days. Uh, we remember back when we had to stand in line to, to get a gas, to get gas to, to, to fill our tanks. A lot of kids have no idea what inflation is about until now. So the fact that we're feeling these things, we're emotionally seeing the uptick in crime and the fear that we're, we can't go out to a big city anymore, plan on having a good time and, 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 and vacation. All those things allows us to have this common commonality of a conversation that this is not what I signed up for. And so you're seeing it now with the left, they're losing in so many different ways. And I think the desperation, they're going to try to, to put the pedal to the metal because they know they're running out of time. And those students who didn't ex have an experience, quote unquote, uh, runaway inflation, as it was often called, uh, who are now, they're also still being indoctrinated by the left. And it's striking to me that no one wants to take on the National Education Association, the Federation of Teachers, because their marching orders are CRT, critical race theory, uh, to teach uh, that white people uh, are, are racist and the, and, the, uh, and, and the foundation of everything that is uh, uh, flawed uh, and imperfect in our society, to put it kindly. When, when we're unable to talk about those two unions, they are the key, the key drivers of this within the educational system and with and within the workplace. Corporate America has been the key driver through its uh, HR departments of critical race theory, uh, whether and also uh, EDI, in, in any number 
uh, of these uh, fictions that are posing as uh, some sort of uh, evolutionary uh, insight uh, into human nature, which they are the ob- obviously the opposite. Uh, they are just propaganda. And here's the thing, Lou. Uh, first of all, we've been under attack for a long, long time. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are, are trying to figure out what, what this CRT thing is all about and wh- why we can have kids that literally uh, leave a community, make $50 million a year, and can, still cannot stand for a flag. And now we're seeing why. This has been something that's been going on for a long, long time. Uh, and and the, the upside, very simply, you see, we talk about how can we get a change we have a way, our country has a way of, rec- of, 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 of getting back on track. It, we, don't, we don't do it immediately. We, ha- we do it through a process of order. And in 2022, you can see the American people in an orderly way stand up against it. everything you just mentioned. They're going to stand up against these coward and bullies, uh, 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 professors, who, 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 who keep these jobs for 30, 40 years. And all they have to do is sit there and just teach this, this mess. And they, and they, they thrive. They're standing up against uh, a, a, a system in which the borders now come in just wide open. We're now finally understanding what the left means when they say open borders, as every single city around our country now can literally be a border town, as we see uptick in, in fentanyl and, and, and crime and everything else. Uh, so what, what I see happening, and I know it's a very tough thing to go through, but we're waking up because of the contrast that we all, all have a tendency of wanting to be free and and have an opportunity, and we're not seeing the other side of it. Uh, and can, can I just bring this little, little quick, little quick piece in here too? Because we're 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 celebrating uh, this year the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims' landing um, uh, in America, and and this is something that <clears throat> has not been talked about because not too much of uh, the, the the left does not want to teach the power of that process, the the faith that it took uh, these these farmers to decide to just pull up. From, uh, uh, from where they were. They were in Holland, by the way. They were in England. They, they could have stayed there, but they saw their future. They saw their kids. Their futures being changed and, and corrupted. So they took the chance. They took the faith to go to a place where they could start anew and take their faith with them. And before getting off that ship, they pinned something called the Mayflower Compact. The first time that a, a, a society was designed, a, a, a community was designed on rule of law. These are the things that, that we, if you we understand that it's not an accident that our country is as free as it is because we start off the Judeo-Christian values that have made us such a unique place that no another place in the history of mankind. If we go back to, to recognizing that that's where we began, then we can have the faith that we, have, we are not at the end of our, of our journey, that we still have a God in heaven who's going to bless us, even though we have to go through tough times and sometimes wake up and see it. That's kind of how it works. Contrast is important. And our country, across the board, there's no one not impacted by the, 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 the remarkable failure of this administration. No one can say, I, I'm not touched, whether it be um, mm-hmm. Afghanistan, you're seeing our Americans left behind, whether you, you have young people that's being touched on every single ideology dying by, with these, this, the drugs coming through the, through the borders. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic because I know that through these dark times, the light is coming, and it's going to be 2022, and American people can speak as collectively that we don't want Marxism. We want freedom. And now we can start having conversations about what that looks like. Right. Uh, I have to say, I've been talking about some of these issues, whether it's uh, uh, open borders, uh, illegal immigration, public education, uh, for 20 years at least. And what I have seen instead of what I had hoped for, and I'm an optimist just like you, but I have seen the Democratic Party shift farther and farther left. Uh, They are not only radical Dems now, they have a strong Marxist uh, influence within the party. uh, And that's clear as this uh, administration demonstrates almost daily uh, in its conduct and in its statements. And also those it supports. What I am concerned about is a Republican Party that has, from 2012, you remember uh, Reince Priebus was a, a chair of the RNC, and he insisted that there be an autopsy after what should have been a, a no-brainer for the Republican Party to have won with an economy in the state that it was, and the low poll numbers, people forget this, of Barack Obama. But in point of fact... <coughs> the Republicans screwed it up. 
to put it just as kindly as I can. And, and that autopsy revealed very little, except it did engender promises from the succeeding chair of the RNC, uh, Ronna McDaniel, that it wouldn't happen again uh, in, in 2020. But there is no autopsy. There's been no examination of why the Republicans lost and what happened. And it wasn't just mean tweets, I think you would agree. And right now we have uh, a Republican Party and an RNC, and you are on the uh, on the Republican uh, campaign committee in the House. I, I don't understand why this leadership would remain the same at the RNC after having lost an election. Makes no sense at all. I, uh, and by the way, Ronna McDaniel, I think, is a dear person. Uh, she's she told me things about what was going to happen in the 2020 election that didn't materialize at all, including the availability of uh, ground troops uh, to be there to represent the Republican Party and in polling uh, places all over the country. Uh, very, I mean, huge mistakes were made. I want to get your thought about it. I'll tell you what, I guess we, the first thing I'll say is, uh, when we look back on 2020, it's a very disappointing uh, when we did, we lost the Senate, we lost presidency. But here's some of the, the inner work of the behind the scenes things that I, that I see happening because I'm part of it. I can understand. I think I have a, I have a really feel of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we did something that was miraculous. We flipped 15 seats uh, and did not lose one incumbency. We did something that uh, that literally, again, in the bigger scheme of things, have we have well, we haven't seen first of all for for decades. And we have such a small margin. This is really what's coming out of the, the margin we now have because we, we were successful in flipping those seats and holding on to the incumbency. There's only a five-seat margin. And what that means, very simply, is that we can literally see what the left wants to do if they had the power. They are, they are, they are, they are unashamed about it. They, they, they're in your face. They, wanna, uh, they want to pack the court. The courts, they want to add another two states. They, all these things, they want to federalize federal, federal uh, uh, election laws. But because it's so close, and because the, the moderates, quote, moderates, if there are such things, want to stay around, they can't get so much done. So not only can we see what they're doing, but we have the power in the numbers that they can't get accomplished. So America has a chance to kind of understand uh, from their own, their own messaging what their vision of America is. And, and, and I'll say, I, this, I think we're going to be adding on to what we have right now, uh, Lou. I, I'm... Um, I've had a chance to talk to some of the, 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 the new folks that are looking at, at running this time around. We're going to continue to improve on our, on our uh, uh, diversity. When I say diversity, I mean it in this way. The diversity means, in my sense, first of all, we all have this, all of us, those of us came on, we have the same end game. We love our country. We have a different culture. We have a different vantage point, but we all come to the same conclusion that this is the greatest place in the history of mankind, and we're going to fight for it. We're not ashamed of it. We're going to have more of that happening as we get into 2022. More Black Americans, more Hispanic Americans, more Asian Americans, more veterans that is coming on board. And that's really what I think is, is, is the, the, the win of 2020. You see the Trump effect of 2020. Well, that we're, me, we're, we're, not, we're not ashamed anymore of, of who we are. Well, I would hope not. I, I mean, the very idea that anybody would be just makes me, I'll tell you, that just makes me furious to think. Yeah. Uh, that somebody would be ashamed of being an American. Uh, I'm ashamed of what I'm watching happen in this country. Uh, you know, you're talking about more Republicans get elected. I'm not sure that's a good thing because I want to know who they are and what they think <coughs> and what they believe. Because I hear one more Republican come up and turn into these whimpering, whispering Republican in name only. These rhinos are killing the Republican Party, Burgess. Well, I mean, they're just kill, they're killing you. 13, 13 Republicans turn turncoats push through the Biden infrastructure bill. 13 of them. Your House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, assured the American people that that wouldn't happen. And we get lied to every, uh, not every time, but in every major issue, the Republicans disappoint. I am not one of those people who goes around, you know, applauding when a Republican gets elected because it's important to me who he or she is. And they had best be a Republican to their uh, soul, you know, conservative and, and importantly committed to public education and to prudent uh, management. Yeah. And the fact is, 
how can there be freedom, as Ronald Reagan uh, put it, if we if we don't have limited government? We have a government that's exploding in size. Uh, you were talking about parents taking back their schools. It's begun, but it hasn't happened. And I don't see the Republican Party being an ally of that effort right now because they're scared to death. Their leadership is scared to death of uh, of standing up for the principles that make this country great. Let me, and yeah, let me just let me say from the inside, from what I'm seeing, because uh, the, the downside of uh, of the elections, if you're in a minority, is that there's a little bit you can really do, but 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 put the message out. Uh, I'll I'll say this uh, right now, and, I, and I've been in meetings because again I'm on the the uh, education and labor committee. I'm the ranking mm -hmm. member uh, for for pre K through 12, and I know that education is our major, major thrust coming into 2022. We have task force that the leaders put together right now that so that when we come together in 2022 and winning, we're not just talking anymore. We're actually pulling the trigger and making things happen. And, and, I, and I tell you, I get it, Luke. First of all, I'm the guy that never thought I'd be in this position, never thought I'd be a politician, very frustrated by the promises made by Republicans of old. What we did, and this is the, the shade, the shade of, the, of, of, of President Trump, is that the people that came, the 15 that, that flipped seats, now keep in mind, some of them are in areas in which it's, 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 they have to be, it, you know, it's, it's still kind of purple. And I, I, what I respect are those who can navigate that process, still hold on to our values, mm -hmm. but navigate being in a position where if they, if they are, if, if for instance, they speak as bold as I do in a plus uh, a, a Republican 12 uh, place, it, they will not survive. So, so we, we have to understand what we have is two types of parties here. The, 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 the Democratic left is, is controlled by an iron hand, typical of Marxists and socialists. They have a leader who will, who will destroy anybody who steps out of line. The other side, our side, are pretty much entrepreneurs. We have a lot of, a lot of different ways of thinking at it. We, we're very passionate the way we think, and we don't mind bringing it to the plate. And it's almost like herding cats because we're not the party that's going to be pushing and, and, and hitting people over the head and destroying lives. We're going to push as hard as we can and then hope and give the message that the American people can put, give more of us, more, more Republicans like the 15 that came if, on board this last yeah, time. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, I think. Uh, okay. But, but what, I, what I don't know is how the Republican Party thinks it can survive by tiptoeing through purple states and pretending to be something uh, that the American people don't want. We want a country that it, we're, we're the Republican Party is still the party of Trump, whether anyone likes it or not. Yeah. Yeah. We're still okay. America first. We're mm -hmm. still all about uh, standing up for this country. And we have leaders uh, who, frankly, quake in their boots. I mean, Mitch McConnell is a joke. Uh, Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes, we're told by so many uh, members, uh, to even think about being Speaker of the House. And the rhinos are dying around, uh, around Capitol Hill. They are, because Republicans have had a belly full of them. Uh, we need to, you know, your Committee on Education, if it doesn't have an answer for what to do with the, the National Education Association and the Federation of Teachers, your committee hasn't done anything. Because those two unions are a huge part of the problem. And, and if they don't do something about inspiring parents and citizens of their communities to sit on those school boards, they're getting nothing done. Because that is where the, the American dream resides in our public education system. You know this. Yep. It is the great equalizer in our society. And it's right now. It's a disaster for too many children. We're losing immense potential for this country. It's not a shame. It's a sin what's yeah. happening. Well, I'll say, I'll say this first of all. Uh, uh, we have a, a, a time of reckoning, and that's, I think, 2022. Uh, you're going to start to see where we really stand. Keep in mind, Lou, and I know it's frustrating, uh, and if I wasn't sitting in these meetings and understanding what we're trying to hit, get accomplished, I'd be just frustrated too. But we are in a position that we, first of all, understand where our country, where our country wants to go. And we're going to have in 2022 even a stronger bench coming off, folks coming off the bench to, to add into this, uh, into this love America, being not a, 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 a afraid to say who we are. That's what's coming on board. And, and I'll say this: I know it's a little frustrating. Uh, I don't know how, if you if you heard the um, uh, the filibuster that, that Kevin did uh, uh, this 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 last last week. 
mm-hmm. uh, remarkable, and I, I personally I believe he sealed in uh, the leadership. Uh, and 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 I know I know it's a little frustrating with folks, but particularly when we're not in power. But I I tell you what, what I'm seeing personally with someone who's a very very strong conservative who, who, who believes in running out the bullies uh, and 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 hitting them as hard as I can, being someone who uh, who really appreciated with President Trump how he approached this uh, this anti-American philosophy. I, I feel more confident with what we have going today and what we bring it on. And then right. after 2022, let's see then. Let's see then if, if, we've, if we've held up to the promises we're making. I believe we, we don't. We don't I, Congressman, I hate to say this, but I, 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 we don't have time to wait and see. This has got to happen, and the people have got to see it happen. We've got to see what your committees and what your uh, caucuses do yeah. about about education. And by the way, those steps have to be taken now. It, yeah. it, 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 a year from now is too late. Uh, and the fact is, I've got to say to you point blank, I think Kevin McCarthy is a very nice fellow. He is not a man who's going to lead the Republican Party in the direction which it goes. And what I'm going to beg you uh, in all of your committee assignments and in, in the important role that you have, please don't let that committee put forward any more rhinos because that will kill the Republican Party. And, we, and this nation can't afford to lose the Republican Party. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Uh, I'll say this. The task force that we're putting together, that I'm, I'm actually part of on the education, for instance, we're going to be re- reporting to the people uh, next, I think it's next spring, so that we'll, we'll know exactly where we stand for, where we'll where, be standing, what we'll be actually fighting for. Um, just like uh, Newt Gingrich did back in the, in the day, we're going to have that type of commitment so that American people can understand what the Republicans will be standing for, and and uh, and I and, and I don't think we're going to uh, disappoint at all. Lou. I really I really think we're going to we're going to step forward and be able to pull triggers in 2022 instead of just talking at that point about what we should be doing next. Burgess, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you in those meetings and on those committees, and uh, on the task of uh, turning this country around. Uh, it's been great talking with you. I hope you'll come back soon and I wish you all of the best of luck, uh, as you take on, uh, so many challenges and threats that face the nation. Thank you Thank so you, much Lou. for being Thank you, Lou. Us. And thanks for your platform, my friend. It's, 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 it's imperative. Let's keep it going. Appreciate your voice. Really do. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Congressman, Congressman Burgess Owens, a great American, a great man. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.